Well, good morning. Welcome to Clover Hill. We're in a series called What If? The first week was What If I'm in the Right? And it was just about forgiveness. And I encourage you to go online, check that out. And we just dealt with anger, resentment, bitterness, because that, that'll really, really, really mess you up. And then last week was What If America Would Step Up? What If America, in light of our culture, in light of the decisions that have just been made, it is a great, great opportunity for the church to be the church. And and it's my prayer, we won't go into hiding, but we will be the salt and the light, and we'll make a difference in a decaying culture. Amen, everybody? And today I want to talk about what if, what if I'm stressed, and, and according to statistics, there's a good chance that you are. In fact, 64% of all working Americans are either on the verge of burn, burnout, or they are burnout. They tell me the number one issue, 60 to 85% of those that go to the doctor, it's some kind of stress-related sickness. And the Word of God, is it, it has answers for everything, and this is one of the answers that it discusses. It talks about, here's the key verse, one of the key verses. I'm going to read a lot of verses. I encourage you to follow along in your outline. We killed a lot of trees for that. And so don't let a tree die in vain. Fill out your outline. And you know what? I, and this is really... I'm really kind of sad today because I found out this week that you forget 95% of what you hear by the time you get to the car. That, yes, that's, that's what they say. That was done by the uh, Naval, not the Naval, the Air Force Academy did a statistic. So I prepare all these messages and work hard, and you only remember 5% before you get to the car. That's depressing for a pastor, depressing for a communicator. So if you write it down... You can remember a little bit more. So will you do that for me? Men, get engaged today and, and, and uh, look, a, look alive. Everybody alive? You ready? Aren't you? Aren't you that was good. Aren't you glad you... you well, let's just go on. Inte here's what it says. Intelligent. How many want to be intelligent? They write notes down. No, intelligent person aims at wise action. And when I hear this word aim, I, I, I like to use word pictures to try to illustrate it in my mind. I see a guy pointing a bow and arrow with a, with a design target, a defined target. He's got purpose. He's got intentionality. The wise, the intelligent person, another translation will say wise, aims at a wise action. He has focus. He has direction. He knows what he wants to get out of life, and he, and, he, and he knows what he has to put in to get there. But a fool, and that's what Proverbs is all about, contrasting the wise from the foolish, but the fool starts off in many directions. A fool has many irons in the fire. They're, they're hurried and rushed and scattered, and, 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 an, un, and a, an, a, an unclear direction equals a hurried pace, and a, and a hurried pace always causes stress and exhaustion and and burnout. And this, this is what I know. We've all been through seasons of this. And, and my hope today is that, that when you're going through a season, you know how to get out. You'll prevent from going into more seasons. And the season won't be an extended period of time. But when I'm burnt out, when I'm stressed, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm, just, I'm just exhausted, my resistance is lower. You are more susceptible to sin than when you're tired than really any other time in your walk with the Lord. Here's how the Bible says it. Be careful. Be on your guard. Be alert. Or your hearts will be weighed down. Isn't that what anxiety and stress and pressure does? It just, it just weighs on you. It's like a, like a, a heavy weight on your chest. With, don't let it be weighed down with carousing. That's just careless living. 
Again, it's a person that doesn't have his bow and arrow directed at the right target. With drunkenness are the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. That's what happens when you're not living purposely, when you're not living with a, with a clear target, with a clear focus. And, and Jesus warned the same thing in Matthew chapter 13. There's this parable that he uses, it, and, and he would say there was a sower went to sow some seed, and it fell on different kinds of soils. And the soils represented your heart. And there was, the first heart was just a casual heart. And what Jesus was trying to depict or to, to teach was that there are some people that, that give their heart to Jesus but never surrender to the Lordship of Christ. That they just want to get out a hell ticket. And so they say yes to the Lord, but it's just kind of casual. There's no disciplines that are developed. There's no walk with God. And they, they just fall away. Their, their, their root doesn't grow deep, and, and they, just, they just miss it. And another seed falls on the hard ground, and, and it's, it's a callous heart. What happens here? You receive the seed with joy, sounds good, feels good, looks good. But you go out and you, you pray and, and your prayer doesn't get answered like you thought you should. And your heart becomes hard, a little bitter, a little callous. And again, you just know God. I do know better. I thought your ways were better. Pastor Stan said your ways are better, but they're not. And so I'm not going to follow you. But the third heart is a crowded heart. And it's just as deadly as the other two hearts. A crowded heart, they're so concerned about the anxieties and the cares and the burdens of this life that the seed is choked out. And what, what, what wants to, to be fertilized and grow and to become fruitful in your life gets snuffed out and choked out and, and goes away and you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. It's a crowded heart. It's a busy life. It's the a, it's a result of a hurried pace. And what, I, what my objective today is to, is to help you slow down and realign and readjust and come under the principles of God's teaching. Here's what else. My emotions are inconsistent. My, I blow my top more when I'm exhausted and tired. My patience grows thin when I'm weary and, and tired. He, he, again, here's what the Bible said. My days go by faster than a runner. I'm just, I'm just running. I'm like that gerbil on that wheel. I'm just running and I got things to do and deadlines to meet and stuff I got to accomplish and they fly away. What flies away? Days fly away. Oh, I thought it was just a day. No, day turns into days, which turns into weeks, which turns into months, which turns into years. They go by faster and they fly away without my seeing and seeing any joy. I mean, my joy, that's what, that's what this hurried pace does. It just zaps your joy. Here's another thing. My productivity suffers. No, I thought the more I did, the faster I went, the more I accomplished. Not that's not, that's not reality. You can have a lot of activity with no productivity. You can spin and spin and spin and not get anything done. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry. Oh, I got I to gotta get them to there and I got to get them here and I got to do this and I got to make sure it leads. It gets you further and further behind. We think we're getting somewhere. In essence, we're just... We're just distancing ourselves from really what's important and what the focus is. We're just missing out. I, I, I read an illustration where two guys were in a contest of chopping wood. And the first guy, he just went at it. And he just, hard as he could, as long as he could, he just tried to chop wood. The other guy would take a break every 45 minutes to an hour. He would get a sip of water, maybe eat a power bar, and he would take just a few moments to sharpen his axe. He wanted to make sure his axe was sharp. And at the end of the day, the, the winner, the one who cut the most wood, was the one that took rest. Some of us are trying to do life on a dull axe. 
We haven't taken time to sharpen it. We haven't taken time to refuel or replenish. And we think we're getting more done when in essence we're just getting further and further and further behind. Here's another thing. My life loses meaning. When I live at an unhurried pace, a rushed pace, a scattered pace, and here, this is a core value of Clover Hill. We believe, according to God's word, that you were created for a divine purpose, that there is a divine destiny upon your life, that your gifts and abilities and passions and experience, they, they, they make who you are for a specific reason, that God created you to do good works even before you were born. And, and when you're scattered, you, you don't fulfill your purpose. You miss out on what God wants for you. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing, it ends in nothing. It's aimlessness. It's no productivity. It's no influencer. It has no lasting result. Here's the, probably the hardest thing and the, the thing that I don't want the most for me and for you is when we live hurried and rushed, my relationship with God seems distant. He's there. It's just like I said earlier, the, wheat, the, the seed is getting choked out, pushed down, trampled on by other things. And that's why the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Okay, I'm living this rush pace. I live in this fast culture. I know what you're talking about. I've been there and I've experienced what you've said. And if you haven't experienced it, then, then let this be some pre-counsel. What do I do? Here's the first thing. Just slow down. T- take a Take a deep breath. Here's what, here's what Ecclesiastes says. It is better to only have a little. You know what usually keeps us in a fast pace? The desire for more. More money, more stuff, more accolades, more acknowledgement. More for our kids. We think we've got to get them involved in every, uh, every group and every team and every sport and every situation because we want them well-rounded. And it's just this drive for more. And the, the, the writer said, Solomon says, the wisest man on earth, it's better to have a little. Um, forget the big houses if that's what it takes, the, the fancy cars, all the activity. Forget it because I want peace of mind. My days, my life is too short to live in this crazy pace. I want peace of mind than to be busy all the time. There's something that correlates to busyness that cancels or, or discourages or keeps you from a peace of mind. And that, that, that's what, here, here, you know what I like to call? I like to say we've got to build margin in our life. We've got to find some downtime, some, some rest, some, some space. Margin is the space between my, my load and my limit. Margin is saying, look, I'm going to step down. You know what margin creates? Margin creates peace of mind. When you're not hurried and scurried and you've got time to just sit and chill for, for a little bit every day and, and a little bit more on certain days, it just, it just creates the, it takes away the anxiousness and gives you a sense of, of peace. Of margin, it, it just allows for better health. Why do we wait till we have a heart attack or we got to go get our arteries cleaned out before we realize maybe I ought not to be going at such a, such a rate? You know, margin builds stronger relationships. I, we know the American family is disintegrating. And part of the reason is, is because of our lack of time. Our homes are not homes. They're hotels where people are just passing by. And where we just sleep at night and see each other occasionally. Where, where our meal of preference is a, 
is a Big Mac at McDonald's instead of sitting around a table and having some quality interacting time where we can share with one another our day and encourage one another and argue with one another if that's what you got to do. But it's around, it's just building some margin and some time. We rush, 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 and we're missing out on the very thing that's the most important. Are you getting anything out of this? When I was, when I was youth pastor and I just started, hadn't been doing it long, but I had this desire, man. I wanted to be successful, whatever that meant. And I wanted to have the attention of my peers, and, and I wanted to provide for my family, uh, and I wanted to do well, and I was going at a crazy pace. And to make a little bit more money, I was subbing on my day off, and, and I'd taken the job as the JV basketball coach at the local high school. And if, if you've ever coached before, it's, it's cr- I mean, I was making probably, when you add out the time, it's like five cents a minute. It's just crazy time and very little return financially. But I, 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 I said, well, it's no money, Angie, but look at the investment I'm having in these kids' lives. And my second son, Zachary, had come along by then, and I went to church. I was at a service one day. I went to first service. I was required to be at all services. And Angie came to second, and she, she gave Zachary to one of the teenage girls in our youth group, and he was just holding him. And I went up to her and said, oh, that baby's cute. Whose baby is that? He's two months old. She goes, oh, Pastor Stan, that's your baby. Ha, 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 ha. You know, she was laughing. She thought I was joking. And I, I said, oh, yeah, of course. I, no, no person could have that cute of a baby unless it was mine. And, you know, I made a joke about it, and I thought, but it was like I got, it was, I, sometimes I'm grateful when God disciplines me, and it was like a slap across my face. I was trying to put my family aside in the name of success and investing in other kids while my kids, why well, I didn't even know my kids. And I made a decision. Now, it hadn't always worked out perfectly, and I still got a lot of work to do in that effort. And thank God for a godly wife that, that helps me and comes along beside me. But, but I, I, I've made a commitment. My family's a What should it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his family? And I know I can only control some things. And my kids will get to a certain age, and they make their own decisions. But it's not going to be because of me. It, it, I hope it's not going to be in spite of me, but it's going to be because it, it, I'm going to be a part of their life walking with them. You, it's just, that's just what margin does. Margin gives you an opportunity to be used of God. God comes along and knocks on the door of your heart or on your mind and says, hey, I, I want you to do this. There's a person over there that needs some ministry. There's a person over there that's broken, just went through a nasty divorce. Just take their kids for the night. Let, they, need to, they need to just be alone. What, I'd love to, God, but I just don't have any time. I'm maxed. But there, there's an opportunity to work in the nursery and, and invest in a kid. I'd love to, God, but I'm just so tired. I'm so weary. A missionary comes to, your church, comes to our church and shares the need. Share, there, there, there's kids in India that are being sold into slavery, sex slavery, and your giving can help bring them out. And your heart leaps, your heart breaks. I'd love to do that. But there's no money. There's just no financial margin. Because we're living paycheck to paycheck. I'm telling you, to, to peace of mind. And, and it's better to only have a little and be available to the Lord. Where, where he could, the greatest illustration for this is the Good Samaritan. You remember the guy gets beat up, left for dead. The guys rob him, take all his money. Laying on the side of the road, two people go by, first a priest, then a Levite. Neither one of them had any margin, no time. No, I don't know, no energy, no emotional margin, maybe no financial margin. So they just kind of snubbed their nose and, and kept on walking. A need. But the third guy, a Samaritan, really the most unlikely guy that should have helped, 
I think he woke up that morning and said, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. I make myself available to you today. People are not an interruption. People are an opportunity. Lord, wherever you lead me, I'll follow. Get, let me be an answer to somebody's prayer this morning. Today, as he walked by that guy, he saw the need. And he had some time margin, so he was able to stop and give him a hand. He had some financial margin, so he was able to mend his wounds and take him to the inn, take him to the Holiday Inn where he could get a good night's rest and gave him his credit card number and say, hey, whatever this guy needs, you take care of it because I'm able, because I'm not living up to my max. I'm, I've got some space in there where I can do good for others. And I've got, he had some emotional margin. You cannot give what you do not have. And when you're weary and exhausted and worn out, you can't give to anybody. But somewhere along the line, he had paused and taken time for himself and been recharged and revived so he could give out of the, the overflow of his heart. I'm just, I, just, I just want to encourage you, build margin in your life. Because there's some things God wants to do in you and through you, and a hurried pace will not get it done. When God speaks to your heart, Carve out, make sure you have some time carved out where you can give him some time margin and financial margin. That's one of the, Clover Hills, one of the things we try to do is live with margin financially. We give about 15 to 20% away and we only spend up to 90%. That, that's the goal, that's the hope. And that's been what we've done the last few years. And, and so, well, why, Pastor, why do you do that? Because when God has an op- when we have an opportunity, when, when we see God doing something, then we can partner with Him. And, and one of those opportunities has come, al- come, come to us. About a year ago, I met a guy by the name of Moses. He, he was born and raised in Cuba. He's Hispanic and uh, grew up in that city under the oppression of, of communism. In 1992, when the walls came down, some of the freedoms opened up in that, in that, in that country, and they were able to start it. He started a church. And, and the church just began to explode. Revival broke out. People are getting saved. He planted seven other churches in the city. And, and over the last few years, there's been heavy persecution. And, and, and there's, his life's been threatened. His kids have been threatened. And he had to get out. And he's come to America. And, 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 and I met him. And we talked about his dream and what he wants to do. And he wants to plant a church in a city in America that has a high density of Hispanic people. And and as he was studying and praying, he found that Richmond is one of those cities. And so we just started meeting together and praying together and seeking the Lord together. And and he said, Pastor Stan, I think think Richmond would be a great place to plant a Hispanic church. And I said, man, I believe in you and we are all about planting churches. We want to see the kingdom of God expand. We want to reach that culture and, and we want to do all that we can to make a difference in our lifetime. And so Moses, come, man, be a part of us. And so in August, he's moving his family down here, and he's going to be a part of Clover Hill. And, and, and for six months, they're just going to be a part of our church. As he, We've got him a spot on the Hispanic radio station where he's going to be sharing. A, uh, he has a spot where he's giving devotions. We've given him the task of, of raising up some small groups across the city, of developing a core team that they can plant with, of getting a little bit more pr- training and getting a few more partners. And in February, we're going to launch... Uh, it's not Clover Hill Hispanic Church. It's just a Hispanic church in the city in the heart of Richmond. And we've committed to over $150,000 over the next three years to make that happen. And you say, well, how? Why do we do, why, how can we do that? Because we're living with margin. 
Because God said, look, this is what I want to do. Tapped us on the shoulder, said you can be a part of it. If we're maxed out, if we don't have anything, we can't. But because of your faithfulness and your generosity and our ability to live below our means, we are able to sow. And there is going to be a strong, vital Hispanic church in the heart of rich and pastored by a man that's been in, been in revival and knows what it is. To experience the grace of God. It's exciting. But it's because of margin. Slow down. Here's, here's another thing. Schedule time with God. That some of you have scheduled a vacation. And, and man, I'm so proud of you. You need it. Do it. But Disney World is not a break. I hate to. You are not going to get rest at Disney World. You're going to come back more. It'll be magical. You'll create some memories, but you will not come back rested. I'm just saying. You, you got you to schedule time with God on a regular basis. Here's what Isaiah said. Do you not know? Surely you've heard, Clover Hill. Surely you know this, that the Lord is an everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, and we don't like that word wait because we like everything fast, microwave. We like our food at a window so we can rush in and rush out. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You want your strength renewed? You want your energy revived? You, you, wanna, you want to prevent burnout and exhaustion? You've got to wait upon the Lord. And this is what will happen. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. Have you ever seen an eagle on Discovery Channel? It's amazing. That big old bird with a seven and a half foot wingspan. He'll come out of that nest and he'll just flap his wings one time. Bam. And have you seen a hummingbird? They're just like this all the time. Just flapping. They're about that big because they lose up all their energy with all that flapping and all. Not an eagle, buddy. God doesn't want you to be a hummingbird. He wants you to be an eagle. He wants you to soar. And he wants you to run and not grow weary. He wants you to walk and not faint. How does that happen? Spending time in the presence of the Lord. Here, you got to. Here, here. You know this. Let me remind you and encourage you. You need to schedule a daily time of devotion. And again, I don't have this all down. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. But I try every day to spend time with the Lord. And when you do it, here's my plan. I just want to give it to you. You, you can come up with your own. But I like to start with worship. So I have some worship songs on my phone. And, and I'll pull that out. And, and that's just how I get into the presence of the Lord. So I'll sing sometimes five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes. just depends on the day. And I'll just worship along with whoever I, I've got in there. And then I'll, I'll bring my Bible and I open up my Bible. I try to read three chapters a day. And I work through either a book. Now I'm trying to read the Bible through in a year. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just mark it out. But I also go with a journal. I call it a journal. Really, it's a notebook. And I just want to write down my thoughts and my ideas. And, and I use the SOAP method. This is all this means. S stands for Scripture. So, so I'm reading. I'm not reading necessarily for distance but for depth. I just want to get one nugget, one thing. And when that one thing pops out, I write it down. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's this for, maybe I read this this morning. And I, they that mount up with wings, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's the scripture. And then O is observation. I try to look at the context. 
well, what is, what is the big picture? What is trying to say? And then I just write out some application. If I'm going to mount up with eagles, what do I got to do? I got to slow down. I got to spend more time with the Lord. So I just write down some practical steps that I can take. And then I write out a prayer. Because often my mind wanders and I get disfocused. So I'll just write out a prayer to the Lord. And then, then after I, I go through that, I, maybe I'll spend some more time in, pray, in worship. Or I'll go right into prayer for, for my needs, for my kids, for my family, for my nation, for you. There's oftentimes we have, a, we have a software called CCB where I'll just pull it up. And I'll start going through names and praying over your family and get your kids and pray over them and believe God for them. And, I just, and then I usually end it with a little bit more worship. I also, I have a lot of scripture in my phone so that I'm trying to memorize. And, and if I'm just really struggling with my prayer time, then, then I'll pull up that scripture and just read it and recite it and then begin to pray it. Because God's word is God's will. And if you want to pray God's will, just pray his word. And, and, I, and that's the time I let God's word hide in my, get hidden in my heart that I won't sin against him. Here's what, here's what Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. Some of us are just so rushed, so anxious, so worried. It's because we're not coming to the Lord on a regular basis. And I'm just encouraging you. Find a spot, find a place, find a time, find a something. And, and here, here's what I know about, about rest and, and being fresh and, and being, being... The antidote to stress is not a plan. It's not a program. It's not a process. It's not a philosophy. It's not a pill. The antidote to stress is a person. And the person is Jesus Christ. Come to me, Jesus said. And I'll give you rest. Here's the last thing. Practice the Sabbath. And, and here's the Old Testament principle. Here's the Old Testament. It's one of the Ten Commandments, which we don't like to talk about, and, and especially this one. But it says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Can I just break that down for you? Keep. Kathy Truitt, the founder of Chick-fil-A, was asked one time, why don't, asked several times, but one time he responded, why don't you close, why are you closed on Sunday? You could make so much more money. You could, you could do so much more. You could open up so many more stores. Just be open on Sunday. And, and here's the response was, I, don't, I live by principles, not pressure. And, and, and this would be a great little thing for us to memorize. I'm not going to be pressured into things. I'm not going to allow financial pressures or time. I'm not going to allow things to pressure me. I'm going to live by the principles found in God's word. And a long time ago, Mr. Truett said, I've made a commitment to keep the Sabbath holy, and I'm not going to let any outside pressure change that. I don't care what culture says or, or, or what, what has to happen, what they say has to happen on that. I'm going to live by principle. Keep the Sabbath day. How many know the Sabbath is not an hour and 15 minutes while you're in church? It's part of it. It's a day, and you're to keep it holy. Holy means unique or special, set apart. It's a day like no other day in, the, in your week. It's supposed to be different. It, you, well, that's just Old Testament. That's just law. We don't live by that anymore. Hebrews 4, that's New Testament. There remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from His. God's our motto. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. There, there's, there's a flow. There's a pattern to life. There's a rhythm in how we were created. We were created by Almighty God. And one of those days in that rhythm, in that flow, in that pattern was supposed to be reserved for rest. What, what do you do on that day? Well, again, you rest your body. Some of the best things you guys can do today is go home and take a nap. Taking a nap is not a sin. 
Do it in Jesus' name, will you? And listen, just, 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 and if you can't fall asleep, just turn on the golf match. You will fall asleep just like that. You'll be out. You know what we do on the Sabbath? We, we realign or, or we recharge our emotions. You, there's got to be, again, God has set a rhythm, a pace to life. And there's got to be a time where we plug back into the, to the power source and allow our emotions to be recharged and re-energized. I, I went to the race not long ago. It was one of the races at Richmond. And I, I, when I got there, cars, 200 miles around, I just saw it round and round and round and round. I saw a lot of that, and I saw a lot of up and down and up and down. And I, I thought, about, man, you've got to be doing a lot of this to be doing any of this. It was, just, it was just chaos and chaotic. But I did find that every now and then those race car drivers had to pull in to the pit stop. Cause again, because there's a rhythm, there's a pattern, there's a flow. And it was at the pit stop where they changed their tires. How many know you can't recharge going 200 miles an hour? And some of you are on that rat race. You know, you say, well, I'm just in the rat race of life. Who wants to be a rat? Who wants to do that? Who, who, he, here's, here's, what, here's what God said. The distance between the truth I know, you know this. I mean, you know the Sabbath. And the truth I live equals the, ex, the, equals the pain I experience. The, that's good. The further, here's the truth. And here's how I live. The closer I get, the less pain. The further I get, the more pain. And we're trying to have all this truth, but we're not trying to live it out. And that's the culture that we live in today, where 85% call themselves born-again believers, but they're not living because their truth and their experience don't match up. Keep the Sabbath, God says. Honor it as holy. What, what else do you do on the Sabbath? You, you re- refocus your spirit. That's what we call worship. That, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. It's going after God. It's declaring on the first day of the week, Lord, you're my priority. You're my passion. You're my greatest desire. I'm going to take this day and I'm going to give it to you. Here, let me, let, me, let, me, let me share this story with you. And I'm going to get ready to close pretty quick. Don't put up your stuff. Don't put up your stuff. Don't put up your stuff. I know that temptation is there. Don't give in to it in Jesus' name. There was an American businessman that was at a pier. He was on vacation at a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman came up to the pier. Inside the boat were several large yellowfin tuna. And the American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. And the Mexican replied, oh, it only took a little while. And the American asked then, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The Mexican replied, well, I I have enough to support my family and meet my immediate needs. And the American asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? And the Mexican fisherman replied, well, I sleep late and I fish a little and I spend time with my children. And I take a siesta with my wife, Maria, and I stroll into the village each evening where I sip sweet tea and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. And the American scoffed, I'm a Harvard MBA man, and I could help you. You, could, you need to spend more time fishing, and with the proceeds, you could build a bigger boat, and you could buy several boats, and eventually you could have a fleet of fishing boats, and instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you could sell directly to the processor, and eventually you could own your own cannery. You could control the product and the process and the distribution. 
But you'd have to leave this little coastal village and you'd have to move to a bigger city like New, New York or, or L.A. And so you could run your expanding enterprise. And the Mexican fisherman asked, but Senor, how long will this take? To which the American replied, about 20 to 35 years. But what then, Senor? And the American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would sell your company and you would become very, very rich. You could be a millionaire. Million, Senor? Then what? Then the American said, well, you'd retire and move to a small coastal village, fishing village, where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your grandkids, take a siesta with your wife, Maria, stroll to the village in the evenings where you would sip iced tea and play guitars with your amigos. Friends, slow down. Life is flying by. Spend time in the presence of God every day. Make it your goal. Make it, make it your priority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with the Lord and practice the Sabbath. Rest your body. Recharge your emotions. Refocus your spirit. Here, I want to close with this, and, and I, I want to pray this over you. It's Psalms 92. I went a little long. I'm sorry. Here it is. It's good. A psalm is a prayer put to music. And David said, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. David had taken time to recharge. and He he was really on this particular day, he was honoring the Sabbath. He'd spent some time in the presence of the Lord. Maybe, Maybe even that day he took a nap. And he comes out of it, and here's what happens when he comes out. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Well, you know, what, you know what that means? Horn is the strongest part of your body. David is saying, look, I spent time in the presence of the Lord. I blessed him. I honored him. I replugged. I, re, I refueled. God has given me supernatural strength. That's my prayer for you, that as you come to the house of the Lord every week, that God will supernaturally give you strength, not your strength, supernatural strength. How are you getting that done? I don't know. It's just the strength of God. How, how, how are you doing all that you do? I don't know. It's just the strength. It's just God. He's just helping me. He's just helping me that your fine oils have been poured upon me. You know what fine oils are? It's anointed. David said, I've been spending time in the presence of the Lord, and the anointing of God is just flowing on me. That's my prayer for you. You know what that means? God wants to give you supernatural abilities. How did you think of that? How did, how did you do that? How, how are you? How is that working? I don't know. It's just God because because I've spent time with him and I've, I've slowed down and I'm keeping the Sabbath and I'm honoring and there's just this supernatural ability on my life. That's what I want for you. That the righteous will flourish like a palm tree when everybody else is stressed and anxious and worried and maxed. You're just going to be flourishing. You're going to be like a, like a, you'll grow like the cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will, they will still bear fruit in old age. Miss Beverly's yelling. She was at Beaumont last week bearing good fruit. Got right in the middle of a fight between two boys. Got knocked down and jumped right back up. And is ready to go, haven't you? You're not giving up. No. You, know, he, I, you know what I'm praying for you? Supernatural longevity. That in every season of your life, you're bearing fruit. There's a difference between faithfulness and fruitfulness. Some of us just being faithful. Lord, I'm hanging on. I'm going to make it, God, by the grace of God. 
I'm going to get there. I'm going to, you know, that, that's okay, I guess, for some seasons, but I don't want to live like that. I want to live bearing fruit. I, I want my life to matter. I, I want to make a difference in the world that I live in. I want to look back on my life and be able to hear the, the Father say, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to live with purpose. I, I want to live with supernatural longevity. Amen, everybody. I want... I want to live my life as God does. Stand to your feet. Will you raise your hands? and Will you just bless Him with me? Lord, we praise You today and honor You today, O oh God. Lord, Your ways are right. Your truths are altogether holy. God, your, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we bless You today and praise You today and honor You today. God, we worship You for who You are for what you want to do in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we don't, we don't want to stay on the gerbil's wheel. We don't want to keep a pace that's ungodly and a, keeping us from our full potential. Lord, may the truth that we know and the experience that we do connect in Jesus' name.